0: But don't talk about revolution, that's going a little bit too far, so love me,
1: love me,
0: love me, I'm a liberal.
1: Hello, and welcome once again to more like The Worst Wing, the show where me, Stu, your host number one,
0: and me, Dave, your host number two,
1: although we're both number one in each other's hearts, of course. get together and talk about aaron sorkin's seminal television show the west wing this week's episode was episode 17 of the first season entitled the white house pro-am in a somewhat bizarre choice of yeah title. Let,
0: let's not have the whole conversation about the title and let's just say that the title is stupid and doesn't refer to a <laughs> golf tournament like in happy gilmore or anything <laughs> fun like that so listener lower your expectation <laughs> lower for, your for fun sports moments those are not happening <laughs>
1: the uh um, so we basically the the episode revolves around two things, one of which is a very strange metapolitical uh, control of a media cycle between the president and his wife, who have two not even competing issues to raise awareness or bring into the public consciousness, mm-hmm. but just competing, one single opportunity that they're fighting over to bring their issue to light in the public conscious the other issue that this episode treats pretty heavily is the concerns over zoe bartlett the president's daughter dating charlie young his body man um and the fact that they are routinely now receiving death threats um just because charlie is black
0: right from white supremacists specifically
1: yeah so yeah so I we mean, kick that's, off yeah
0: go ahead. Uh, I'm I'm just going to br- go right into it. We kick off with uh Abby, uh Mrs. First Lady, uh speaking uh doing a pre-taped news segment like you, you know, for like a morning show um where she's got some kid on who I think he is he's a scholarship or something like he's, you know, he, oh he, he started, started a foundation. Sorry. Yeah. He starts a foundation for help uh with um, kids uh, with people overseas who get into a loan shark type situation uh, and then are threatened with violence. Essentially, um,
1: being trafficked for child labor.
0: Right. Exactly. So he he started a foundation to help uh, take take a uh, bring light to this issue and and do and so she's interviewing him and discussing it um, and they kind of and you know she brings up that hey child labor bad uh, and we <laughs> should probably be doing more things to stop it. Which is, you know, a pretty uncontroversial take, Uh, as takes go. Yeah, you
1: I can't really object to that so much. Yeah,
0: (laughs) seems good on the surface, uh, but ends up causing a bit of a kerfuffle for Sam um, and for the White House in general, uh, when it ends up leading to an amendment being introduced on a trade bill uh, to try to prohibit child or enforce stricter child labor laws, essentially.
1: Yeah, yeah. and I don't know, I mean, that she's doing this interview and I have this note that it is a, it's a very of the time sort of like, this is television parenting moment where she's mm-hmm. in the preparation for this interview. She's like joshing with the kid or whatever. And the kid's like pretty cool and yeah. chill and smart and junk. And she's just like, it's cool if you're not chill and smart and junk. You're just a kid. I know. Like, you should be more nervous. And he's just like, no, I'm good. No, no I'm, I'm all right. Like, please just I'm just going to do this and then I can go you know back to school or
0: whatever let's just say that as we've learned more and more about abby and the president uh the fact that their kids turned out half decent is a miracle
1: oh yeah it's remarkable
0: (laughs) (laughs) they they don't seem like they were uh that available because they're both pretty busy and they don't particularly seem like great parents either yeah uh but yeah so this kind of becomes a thing where so during this, uh meanwhile, sta- uh Sam and a new character who is the First Lady's chief of staff are discussing the interview, watching it as it happens, uh, and they're just kinda like good natured joshing back and forth of like, oh, she's doing good. Yeah, she's not that good, and like that kind of thing. And this kind of becomes another conflict is the conflict between the staffs of the staff of the president and the staff of the first lady.
1: Yeah, and it's played out because lily abby's chief of staff has this idea that abby can kind of dominate today's news cycle right so she's going to bring this child labor issue up get some stuff done see what can be done you know raising Mm -hmm. awareness whatever it is and then while they are discussing a news bombshell drops in that the chairman of the federal reserve has a heart attack and dies
0: yes so that's how we end our cold open with uh as they're both appreciating, like, "Wow, this is going to be a great news cycle with the first lady." Toby comes in to crush their dreams and announce, "No, in fact, the news cycle is going to be about the fact that the Fed chairman died."
1: Yeah,
0: uh, and we need to get a replacement, or the <laughs> or the market's going to crash,
1: which is like, so and okay, so we can just we can dig in on this a little yeah, bit here let's go. once once the cold open is over, you have the president reacting to mm-hmm. this news of the Fed chair dying, which, to and- be fair. He has the
0: first proper reaction right away of, oh, God, oh, that's terrible, yeah. uh, which they hang on for all of about five seconds before they move into, oh, God, the market's going to tank 300 points.
1: And and to be fair, I wrote this out in a very tongue-in-cheeky, like, sort of shit-posty way, but because you're right, I mean, they're not going to sit around and be like, oh, better start planning the funeral, and, like, I want to express my condolences to his wife. Right on camera because it's a dramatic device which is fine but at the same time it's very very west wing to be like <laughs> oh oh gosh one of these people who ostensibly i should know very well and consider a leading scholar and was my like my heart's pick top for pick. this position my t-
0: yeah he's a new president so this was yeah. his top pick this isn't like the third or fourth guy
1: yeah and and he's like oh well, didn't know him so well. <laughs> now, now what are we going to do about the market? My portfolio declining. It's like, okay, man. That's, it's very, that's fine. It's
0: very telling how quickly they're concerned about their portfolios. Let's just put it that way.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, and that's that's fine. It's again, it's just very sort of and I'm going to include a very brief note here that like the idea kind of the neoliberal orthodoxy that they're pushing here is that decisions made by the Fed are directly relevant to what i'm saying is that there's a lot of conflation of monetary policy on a governmental level with fiscal policy on the governmental level yeah Wherein those two issues are very much interrelated in very complicated ways but they're not the same so like when you put this in the show and start talking about the stock market declining because companies are going to shit the bed because the fed chair died it's just a very subtle sort of misinformation and reinforcement of stereotyping that i think is frankly a little detrimental to public understanding of these things
0: i agree and while on the one hand you're right on the other hand investors are dumb panicky idiots <laughs> uh, and allow me to tell my favorite recent oh investors yeah. are pa- dumb panicky idiot stories about pokemon go So everyone remembers when Pokemon Go came out. It was really, really big for about, like, two, three weeks there. Everyone downloaded it. People were spending a shitload of money on the microtransactions and whatnot. And so, obviously, investors saw this and went, Oh, Pokemon Go. Nintendo makes Pokemon. Let's go buy Nintendo stock. They're doing great. And so Nintendo stock starts shooting up. Uh, Nintendo has to come out and go, "Uh, We did not make Pokemon Go. Another (laughs) company made it. We just licensed Pokemon to them. Uh, this is not going to affect our earnings in any way at all, or, or not in any way. They were making some money from it, but they weren't getting the bulk of the money. Uh, and then the stock quickly dipped back down to the previous level
1: it was at. <laughs> It's like, if you had done even the smallest
0: modicum
1: <laughs> of research, due yes. diligence, or whatever, this wouldn't be thing. And it's also this funny thing where it's like, the, and nowadays, frankly, honestly, I could even go back on my point that I was trying to make where it's these days the only thing keeping the stock market at these record heights, just like I'm talking about the stock market, the DJIA mm-hmm. and the NASDAQ yeah, yeah. at these record heights is because there's just this unfathomable spigot of free money flowing out of the Fed. Right. So it's like in a real world, these things would be. Right. much less related to each other but here in fucking 2018 Psycholand, it's just yes like, well actually the fed's decisions to keep interest rate rates super low and just buy up all this shitty assets and debt from whatever is the is, only reason is artificially that the stock pumping is up.
0: up the stock market yes absolutely <laughs> it's just like
1: oh god so anyway that's our um so econ digression. The,
0: <laughs> yeah the show does not go into anywhere near this level of economic discussion <laughs> by the way uh, which is probably a good thing because I'm sure it would only infuriate me more. And oh, um, it's a simple,
1: it's, it's a simple A to B like narrative consequence device here. So fine, right. great.
0: So okay, yeah, Fed chair die, uh, Dow goes down 300 points. We get it. So, uh, so their plan is we need to announce a new chair right away, and this will reinsure investor, reassure invest- investors that hey, we have a you know plan of succession and etc. But Bartlett doesn't want to announce. Ron Michael Ehrlich, thank you. Um, The next guy, the presumptive uh, new Fed chair, he doesn't want to announce him. He wants to wait a day, uh, and when we find out the reason, it becomes incredibly personal and petty. uh, The reason why he wants to wait a day, and it's that he this guy dated his his wife for like. What oh uh, yeah like six weeks yeah, like a couple
1: months or something yeah. back in college or whatever <laughs> yeah exactly like, oh my God,
0: so it ends up being this extremely that that really makes me lose sympathy for him for the argument they get to at the end, but we'll uh we'll build up to that, so the kind of the whole episode is building up to this fight that's that's brewing between, between or, yeah between the president uh, and his, the president and, his first, and the first lady yes
1: so they they kind of continue down the road where they're like talking about um trade or wait actually so backed up a little bit uh zoe shows up yes just like kind of out of the blue like hey zoe's
0: here mrs landingham shows up to say hey zoe's here which (laughs) thanks mrs landingham here's your check for the week we'll see you next week
1: that's right um yep and there's like a dad moment or two with leo and jed and Whatever, that's sure. Fine. Uh, yeah. Zoe
0: so says keeping it real, and both Leo and Jed have zero idea what <laughs> that just,
1: means. We, I don't. I don't know. Maybe in 2000 that was like a thing that Squares <laughs> didn't know about. But like, really? Sure. Surely, just if you, you know, from
0: context and just from understanding English, I think you can understand what keeping it real means.
1: <laughs> yes. It's like it's, it's <laughs> just these old white dudes being like, "Oh, that's uh, some of that hip hop talk that they oh, use." Oh, the youth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, so Zoe shows up, and uh, he has to have a candid conversation with her about the death threats and, like, the fact that they're increasing. And more specifically, he brings up that there's a convention, like a white supremacist convention going on in Virginia, um, which is, you know, close close to D.C., and that uh, Zoe and Charlie are planning on going to a club opening, and they would rather that they did not do that because they're worried about the threat.
1: Yeah, and the president is not, um, does not have the stones to tell Charlie, you know, his employee that, and frankly, I would hope like something of a confidant, that he can't go because of security concerns, so he fobs it off onto his daughter to tell he, her He does offer, instead.
0: he does offer to tell oh, does, Charlie Oh, I, I totally missed that, I twi- totally missed that. Twice, okay. uh, actually, so I'll Never give mind, him credit where I'm credit's due. Credit where credit's due. He did offer, and be like, you want me to tell Charlie? And, and he even does it again. Okay. Um, but but yeah, so, because he is a confidant, and as we learn, he ends up viewing Charlie kind of like a son, essentially, yeah. like the son he never had since he only had three daughters. Um, so then this, you know, this causes a rift between Zoe and Charlie, where uh, Charlie is like dead sudden on, no, screw it, I'm going anyway. Uh, although he's shot down by her secret service agent, saying like, "No, we just can't secure it. It's like an unsecurable location, and we just can't take the risk."
1: Uh, so, they they go in and, and kind of just almost a smash cut to like talking about this trade bill again, where they the administration is assured that it is wrapped up in the in basically the fifteen House of votes, Congress. fifteen got votes,
0: locked up by fifteen votes. Yeah,
1: so. Then Josh comes in and says that, like, we've got to talk with these angry, you know, super lefty people about things that they don't like about the bill, even though we don't need them to vote with us. Yeah, the We're usual to...
0: setup of in three random congressmen and put them across a meeting table.
1: Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I started... loves going back to. <laughs> yeah. Now that you mention it, I I hadn't even thought about that. But it's just like this happens a lot. This is a yep. weird set piece. The, the and piece. it's always
0: three. It's always three. It was three in Mr. Willis with Ohio. It was three in, like, another episode. Like, they love this, like, three politicians across the table from our mains (laughs) uh, device.
1: Our our mains in this case include Toby being a complete curmudgeon (laughs) for almost no reason. Like, okay, sure, it's, it's a pro forma type of ritual that you're engaging in here. But, like, he goes so far off the fucking deep end. We were talking offline before we started recording about being like, Toby is just being used all the time now as like a, like like a caricature of this obstinate, angry personality, and the politics mm-hmm. behind his character have no compass, consistency, or consistency yeah, yeah. at all.
0: Yeah, because we're meant so the whole thing is we're introduced to Toby is like he's the lefty one. Like, the one who always tries to, like, you know, pull them to the left on things. And he stands and we, on
1: principle, too. He's very, right, like, and, he's... Right, stalwart. extremely principled.
0: You know, a yeah. man of his principles. And yet, they bounce all over the place. Because in this one, he's he's shrugging off the concerns of labor and manufacturing. Which yeah. is, like, a huge job loss over <laughs> the next, like,
1: couple of decades. Yeah, because this bill is centered around free trade that will essentially... And, you know, he uses this, like, thing that's like, oh, we're going to flood the economy of cheap chinese goods and i mean the fallacious as that argument is like it's still toby just sits down and says hey what kind of car do you drive right like i drive a toyota it's like well there you go there
0: yeah therefore i win to be to be fair the show does basically say that he's literally just doing this because he's like cranky so like (laughs) Yeah. It's it's clear that he's just like in a bad mood and was going to take it out on anyone and it just happens to be these 3 today. Kind yeah. of thing.
1: Well and, and so like uh, you know barring again some more neoliberal economic orthodoxy here it's like come on you're supposed to be the smart guy like you know Toyota has plants in the United States right? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs>
0: they don't they don't even like it's so It's, like you said, sort of just performative on both sides, where it's just like, you know, they're raising performative concerns, Toby is performatively slapping them down out of hand, and nothing's actually really being discussed, because they're both, like, saying, like, look, we both know this bill's going through anyway, this is all just a formality, so, like, fuck it.
1: Yeah. So, this is, and then, uh, sort of at the, we'll, we'll get into, dig into this in a little bit, but, like, this, the episode winds down with, there are two things that happen, Towards the end of the ep where Sam gets in an argument with Abby's chief of staff mm-hmm. um, about kind of like you're stealing my thunder in the meteor, or whatever, whatever we're, the hell. Yeah. And re- and relies on the talking point that we saw in the last episode where the president went off at Bob Balaban about knowing what he's doing. Right. Basically think, saying
0: like, "We're hey, we're the ones in charge here. We, we have control you're mucking about and doing bad things, we do good things, kind of.
1: And sort of that might be what the title is about, whereas the SAM and the president's staff consider themselves to be the professionals, Mm -hmm. and they consider Abby's staff to be the amateurs, which is garbage, because if anything, (laughs) she needs to have better operators around her because she's not actually vested in any constitutional powers. Absolutely,
0: yeah. And you know the the power the first lady has while not legal in any sense is key and distinct and many first ladies have set agendas uh for you know passions that they had you know michelle obama with anti-obesity even nancy reagan with anti-drugs well, let's not like quibble L- about L- the Lord effectiveness Roosevelt
1: of was like yeah let's yeah. not quibble
0: about the effectiveness of any of these <laughs> things but they definitely have the power to set an agenda
1: be best dave be yes best.
0: be best <laughs>
1: Um, yeah. And so then we get kind of after that, the culmination of the sort of like the, the, um, the the news cycle argument is physically like Abby and Jed standing in the room together and yelling at each other about something. And we'll talk about it a little bit more, but the last sort of bit in the episode is the Zoe and Charlie, uh, sort of reconciliation, which gets a little thorny. And so I think at this point, having been recording for almost 20 minutes, we'll take a brief break <laughs> and dig yes. on both of those two things, which are very sort of the more interesting interpersonal parts of this episode. So kind of the penultimate um, confrontation of this episode is Zoe and Charlie uh, sit down to launch her dinner in a diner somewhere. And so Zoe breaks the news to Charlie that they can't go to this mm-hmm. opening that they were planning on going to because of security concerns and georgia fox is there saying like we we couldn't like mm-hmm. control this entrance there's this pit down here that this we was totally lines on yeah yeah there's just there's too many risks to both frankly to both of yeah. y'all but you know my main concern being the daughter of the president at right. this point but charlie gets um,
0: upset and understandably so where he's like, I, I, yeah, not, I bought not one, but two suits for this. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I should be allowed to go out in public with my girlfriend. Uh,
1: yes, Not which, an unreasonable in desire is,
0: <laughs> in a vacuum. Yeah,
1: not. Yeah, I think it's when I was thinking about it, uh, the the protection, particularly from the the risk that they are concerned with in this case, which is white supremacists, mm-hmm. nothing is going to nothing they do in terms of protecting or not protecting is going to change their like the desire right. to harm Zoe and yeah. Charlie. So, I'm I can come at it from both yeah. sides. Even if they broke both, up, like,
0: like it's not going to change anything, you know, like
1: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think I can again, I can I can make the argument for both sides because frankly like there is no there is no impermeable or like completely defensible security no. bubble that if they really like if they just try hard enough there will be zero threat right um you know from these people who will never ever have their minds absolutely or be dissuaded
0: you know she has to be allowed to live a semi-normal life she can't just be in a you know fort knox all day you know
1: yeah and for the character herself as a reflection of you know i was a young person when i was watching this for the first time you know it's it's an issue that sort of hits home because it it Smacks of overprotective parenting that I think is something that everybody experiences. Sure, but
0: with the the unique twist of being the first family, you know.
1: Yes, absolutely, and it's it's just it's sort of creepy and patriarchal in that way. But Uh, (laughs) I think there's what's what's interesting is so this causes a big tiff between them.
0: Charlie gets up and leaves, which gets Zoe mad, and later on in the episode, Danny is the one to to take Charlie and have a moment with him. Oh yeah. and be like, "Hey, I think, you know, it's a, co-, you know, he basically says like, "Look, it's a complicated issue, and I get why you're mad, but it would probably be best if you were just like the cool guy who kind of went with the flow right now." And like that's yeah. that's great advice from like a relationship standpoint, and it also is just like a neatly deftly way of kind of swinging around this issue. Uh, and not having to unpack <laughs> yeah. it too much.
1: <laughs> yeah, of uh, v- literally just brushing <laughs> it over with a nice fresh, like, coat of paint and not discussing. Yeah, and it to all be fair, it's
0: going to come up again, uh, especially after the events of the shooting.
1: Well, yeah, and as as you said, this is this is not necessarily something that even the writers clearly wanted wanted to dig on politically, because all it is doing is is structuring up the serialization mm-hmm. for the climax spoilers of the yeah. season
0: I, if you don't know by now the way the season ends <laughs> yeah. we're gonna blow it we've we've spoiled it we've like literally gotten a dozen or more times by now
1: <laughs> the, there are multiple new characters hinting yeah. at this so yeah.
0: hello named talking <laughs> secret service agent who's yeah. never shown up before what?
1: <laughs> so yeah and i mean it's it is hand waved in a way that uh, the the issue. It's meant to be more character is. drama
0: than than political argument, essentially. You know, I think it's yeah, but I, I but it wants to be both. Ahead. Is what you're saying?
1: Yeah, because why would I think? Why would you set it up as if, a yeah? You can make it. You can make it a million off. different. You thing, can make it anything. Yeah, you could make. You can make it a, a regular ass yeah, stalker if there is such yeah, a thing.
0: You could, um, which actually, and well, we get the, that with uh, CJ uh, later on. When uh, she gets her yeah. secret service special named guest star, uh, who would later go on to be the NCIS guy, <laughs>
1: yeah, which I and in this in this particular case again, I can't help but feeling just like with CCH Pounder that it's almost it's slightly exploitative. It's a not little. it's not the worst example. It is just it is taking advantage of the fact that Charlie is black to make this a narrative so, to ring drama out of it easy yes, without treating it fairly from a political perspective
0: i i, I agree a little bit
1: which fine yeah. fine i mean uh, i guess go for it it still rings a little a, r- a little gross to me but what yeah. rings, what rings grosser is the fucking reaction when georgia fox <laughs> sees charlie show up in the dorm room <laughs> to to reconcile with zoe yeah
0: so earlier we get a nice line where she says hey i'm the girl who has to jump in front of the bullet i prefer when she stays in her room and watches videos which like hey fair uh and but then i don't want to die so that Char- charlie comes over with some videos to watch with zoe and do the things that you know young people do when watching videos together <laughs> and fucking georgia fox's face as he closes the door to go to bo- the bone zone is the like just the smuggest <laughs> fucking grin it's so good it's so good
1: And she's, like, walking out of her own because she's she's pretending to be a college Yeah, which, by the way, her her posters,
0: if you, like, anyone who's gonna watch along with us, do a pause and look at the poster she has, and they're the most generic, like, they must have... Oh,
1: I missed it. They're, like,
0: it's just, like politics is this and like <laughs> life is th- it's the most generico like
1: music yeah, band
0: it's like it's so funny like that they had to give awesome. her like fake secret service posters they couldn't get like good <laughs> real
1: ones uh but anyway anybody walking like can see she's a narc from, like, <laughs> yeah like narc every <laughs> every
0: college kid is like avoiding that place like the plague uh, there's, there's oh the narc. shit all right bring the keg around back dude
1: yeah, yeah but and she walks out just like smug it S- out because it's like B- oh yeah bag is in for the night <laughs> which is is just uh, of so it's, it's
0: a cute moment for charlie and zoe and it's just it's the weirdest thing to be smug about <laughs> oh so, yeah so and
1: that's the that's pretty much again it doesn't get dealt with on much of a political level at all and so we're going to paper over it for this issue or this episode sure. rather and the end of the it'll come up again it'll come up again we, we yeah, promise yeah.
0: you that so then let's take another quick break and then we'll talk about our final issue uh with the trade bill and the fight okay and so the final culmination of this episode is this really well acted i'll say uh, fight between uh jed and abby about the fed chairman and essentially where it comes out that this is all this whole events of this episode have basically been put into play over this dumb personal grudge jed has because she dated the guy
1: yeah yeah and the argument itself i grabbed a clip here that pretty well i mean it unwittingly sums itself up with this clip that the president says here where he says a lot of people around here think it was lily mays who planted you have a preference for Ron Ehrlich. It wasn't Lily Mays. I know it wasn't Lily Mays. It was you. Yes. Yes. Yes, and I'm sorry about that, but I wanted Ron to know that he had my support. Well, you put me in a bit of a spot there, Abigail. I name Ron Ehrlich now, which I was going to do anyway, that makes it look like I'm taking instructions from my wife. Still, it was wrong. Are you talking about you or me? And following the events of the episode, I'm like, I don't know what you're fighting about either, Mr. President.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) So it's... It's interesting, because again, we have more like, sort of, it's relationship drama that has invaded the political sphere. Uh, sort of like the opposite of the Zoe Charlie dynamic, where political drama has invaded their relationship sphere.
1: Ooh.
0: Ah. Damn, never. that's
1: some good analysis. Uh,
0: and, um uh, so... Well, let's, yeah, what if we, we find yeah, out, yeah, like, wa-
1: walk it out from the beginning with what happens, because it starts with, the, the fed so chair dies. So it starts with...
0: It, well, it starts with two things. One, the Fed chair guy dying, and two, Abby saying, hey, child labor bad, to the news. Uh, these, these combine in the sense where Jed is reluctant to name the appointment right away because, uh, because of the said dating personal issue. Uh, and even though he's already made up his mind that this guy will be the new Fed chairman, uh, he's going to pretend to take a day to think it over. Uh, just out of this pettiness. And then, on the second way, is the child labor thing ends up becoming the amendment that screws up the trade bill um, be, due to uh, Senator Not uh, Laurie <laughs> that Sam runs into at the gym. This is a character
1: that we may or may not see again. Her probably not i'm guessing the actress's name is amy aquino and she looks exactly like well not exactly but like directly like lisa adelstein (laughs) let's just say sam Sam has has a type
0: type. (laughs) he certainly has a type uh it's also funny that sam's at the gym because this will foreshadow his eventual turn into becoming the fitness obsessed chris Traeger on parks and recreation (laughs) um so yeah so the, their person- so it's interesting that their their personal argument plays out in this proxy war with the staff and Sam and Lily, uh and then Sam at one point goes to see Lily and ends up seeing Abby uh and they have an interesting kind of back and forth
1: which yeah, and the the and, power dynamic of that discussion is pretty interesting, and again, sp- mm-hmm. frankly, you know, if I'm being totally kind to the episode it speaks very highly of the acting talent of both yes. uh. Roblo and Stalker Channing because it's there is a lot this whole clusterfuck revolves around a very subtle exercise of power in sort of a
0: and respect again, respect. Yeah. Yeah, where like he has to respectfully tell her like you you fucked up, you know? And like has to like basically respectfully say, you know, to the president's wife, like I know better than you, and like, and he plays it well. Of like, how tricky a road that is to navigate.
1: Yep, and
0: uh, and also he's wrong, of <laughs> course. But
1: I, I mean, so <laughs> it's pl- it's acted well. Yeah, and and in the end, it's like all this nine-dimensional chess with like maneuvering using. Trying to use Danny to intercede and plant us.
0: Oh yeah, and oh yeah, at one point he pulls in Danny and says, uh, "Hey, give up your sources on who leaked this story about my wife." And Danny's just like, "What in the fuck? No, <laughs> this of course is completely not." Completely unlike you. <laughs> yeah, and thankfully Leo's there to be like, "I told him this was a stupid idea." Yeah. <laughs> And, and he's like Waldorf and <laughs> all all on his lonesome.
1: The uh, and so they, they they maneuver around and whatever, and it culminates in this chat between Abby and Jed in the Oval mm-hmm. Office in the middle of this other event, where they yell at each other, and it's like, hmm, okay, so we don't really have a reason to be mad.
0: Hmm. It it's like. It's the classic sitcom sort of failure to communicate. If they had literally just talked to each other in the beginning of the episode, none of this would have happened. Yeah, because... Kind of thing. Because it... And, like, at one point, Abby says, like, we share
1: a bed. You could have just <laughs> talked to me. And, and they, dro- they... Again, with, the like, the Danny and the senator thing, they pull in all these external uh, mm-hmm. forces and, and actors mm-hmm. in this regard, where it's literally just... Well, it boils down to, like, a personal quibble and also the first lady's desire in this case to get actual good done that as we right. know from this show, Oh, we, we can't tolerate that.
0: <laughs> right. Which, which by the way, the child labor amendment is the thing that has to be thrown out and disposed of so that the good free trade bill can go through.
1: Of yeah. course. Yeah. So, you know, just file that one well, away. And, and that's the thing It's <laughs> after, after this blow up of a conversation with a neutral outcome for them personally, it's like really the only <laughs> thing suffering is, you know exploited the children children, the children <laughs> yeah. doing, the lab- doing the labor <laughs> yeah
0: oh, good times
1: so it's I, I don't know it's
0: it's kind of a, a like as a piece of television as an episode of television i think it builds well to this final fight and as as we both said it's just well acted all around particularly the fight itself i think is like a good you know, this is what you're watching the show for. You want to see uh the president and his wife. What do they fight about when no one's watching, you know? This is the premise of the show in a way. Yeah,
1: and I mean, it's it's fine that um Jed gets pissed off in in some ways because come come down to it, he is the chief executive and like mm-hmm. it it is it's inappropriate to do things in ways that fundamentally undermine yeah. his administration's agenda, I guess. No, like
0: like all good arguments, they both have a yeah. point, of course. And it's just a matter of reconciling and just, you know, better communication. But, and that's sort of the relationship takeaway from yeah,
1: it. Yeah, and, and again, you know, as I said, it's like the, on, the only outcome is that nothing good happens. <laughs> like on a political <laughs> or a policy yeah. level where, well, <laughs> yeah. okay, next episode, I
0: guess. Yeah, there's a new <laughs> Fed chairman. Yeah, good for good for him, I guess. And, he he got a bump up in prestige.
1: Yeah, and well, and you know, he he's made out with the first lady,
0: <laughs> which good for him because Stalker chanting.
1: <laughs> the um, <laughs>
0: Riz, he he got in with Rizzo. <laughs> That's
1: right. <laughs> I mean, she did get around, according to the song.
0: Well, yeah, you
1: know. <laughs> so that's uh, about that it was, I didn't like love, for this episode that wraps up this episode um,
0: of uh yeah like, there's
1: been a lot of shit happening so we apologize i apologize anyway i know i've been out of town and not sticking to a particularly good recording schedule but george hw bush died since we last talked and like i had so many thoughts about this and it was really funny because all of the like the podcasts that i consume regularly immediately put all this content out about him. And as I was thinking of maybe doing some sort of special thing, trying to relate like the perception of stereotypes in the media and in shows like the West wing, all being a product of Bush seniors, essentially career in international relations culminating in his Mm -hmm. presidency. I had a lot of thoughts about it and then everybody else sort of expressed them way more capably than I could and I was like, um, maybe I just won't subject people to like a 10 or 15 minute long special of me talking about George Bush. But, yeah. you know, anyway, suffice to say, he's dead as fuck. Fuck him. Fuck yeah, his family. He's in hell with John McCain. Yeah, that's right. And uh, oh man, it would be so great if we could get a war ghoul trifecta by the end of the year. Like, can we have, can Henry Kissinger? Kissinger go? Or, he's got go I
0: mean, someone's going to find that phylactery yeah. one of these days. <laughs> that's right. I know.
1: I have, I have Illuminati agents searching day and night. <laughs>
0: yeah the the top top men <laughs> top men are on this. Yeah, that's um, right. anyway so yeah, so uh rip uh, piss on his grave if you have the opportunity yeah. uh, and and add in a spit from me. Uh, next episode is six meetings before lunch, um, which is uh, funny enough, does not have six meetings hmm. uh, from what I remember. Um, but uh, we'll discuss that more next week. Uh, you can follow us in the thread on Something Awful. If you found us another way via SoundCloud, welcome. I don't know how you got here, but uh, if you want to drop us a line, you can email us at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Yes. Nice. And uh, we will see you next week for another fun discussion of another West Wing episode.
1: All right, guys, we'll see you later.
0: come on Bye bye. So love me, love me, love me. So as an epilogue so,
1: today, Dave just told me an amazing story that must be included in our treatment yes. of George H.W.
0: Okay, so, it, you go, you know, you go around, flags were at half-mast for, you know, what I consider being an unreasonably long amount of time. But for me, it would, you know, the proper time would be about an hour. <laughs> um, so, but, and my mom lives in this 55-plus uh, community in Florida. Uh, and a lot of her neighbors are, you know, the typical shitty Florida old Republican the retiree. People. Yeah, exactly. Them, but we're not, in, she's not in the villages, but, you know. Uh, and a lot of them are basically having this uh, game of chicken. Of uh, who will raise their flag back from half mast first? Because whoever does that obviously can is disrespecting H.W.'s legacy <laughs> to an immense degree.
1: They're the communist infiltrator.
0: <laughs> yeah, who, yeah. Anyone who raises their flag first is a commie.
1: That's right. I would go out on my porch and glare at my neighbors. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, just,
0: just had to share that.
1: Alright, so anyway, thanks guys. We'll uh, talk to you next week.